0: Welcome to the Grove Church Podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. morning. I want to welcome you again, as Campbell did earlier. My name is Christian. If we haven't met, I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, we're continuing a series called The Wisdom Pyramid. Uh, We got started last week looking at this idea of feeding your soul in a post-truth world, and um, I want to just take a moment by way of of review, just kind of fill everybody in. If you missed last week, let you know exactly what we're we're looking at. I, I said at the beginning last week, and we looked at this in more depth, that most of us, and really the basis of this, of this series, is that most of us are suffering from what we're calling epistemological sickness, okay? It's a big word, like I said, not looking for props, not looking for pats on the back because I can say epistemological, okay, that's not the point. Uh, the point here is that there is something very difficult and very wrong in our, our culture today that we are all subject to. And really, when you start to talk about this idea of epistemology, what you're saying is, what we're looking at is is big questions, questions that that plague us as human beings for our entire history. Questions like, what is true? And not just what is true, what is trustworthy, right? What is authoritative? What can I really trust? And then how do I know? How do I know that I'm putting my, my trust in Reliable sources. And the reason this is so important is because really the questions we need to be asking are, what is wise? Okay, wisdom is about being able to understand how the world really works, to, to understand what's really going on in our world, and then fashion responses to what's going on that are, as we said last week, that are good in God's sight, that are helpful to others, and that actually accomplish good Helpful, important things. And so that's what we're looking at. And the the trouble is, we are in a time where we have more info than ever. More information than ever. The amount of information being produced is mind-boggling. The amount of information you and I are having to handle and process and think through on a daily basis is so much more than what we've had to deal with in ages past. But despite more and more and more and more and more information... I think we also deal with the fact that there's far less wisdom, far less understanding of how to craft responses that are marked, in the words of a wise ancient king, Ecclesiastes 8.5, by the right time and procedure. Okay? That, that's what we're talking about. Wisdom is, is knowing the right time and procedure. When do I do? What do I do? Okay? So we're lacking and this has come about because we've, in part, because we've, come, we've developed bad habits for consuming information. We've got all this information, but we've developed these bad habits for consuming that information that are like, and we're, we're using this metaphor of eating, they're like bad habits for consuming food. So we, we looked at it. Here are the three major habits behind our sickness. Consuming too much, consuming too fast, And consuming too narrowly, in other words, we're eating only or we're consuming only what appeals to us in the short term. It's like only eating junk food and and knowing that 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 won't, over time, that won't work. It just, you're not going to be healthy if that's all you eat. There's a place for the junk food, but you can't eat it all the time. But we eat, we consume information very narrowly. Only the things that we really like in that moment, but not the things that might be healthy, and nutritious for us. And, and so the result is that we're left ill. We, we crave more because of how much we consume. We crave more and more, but we're left less satisfied. We gain more and more and more knowledge, but because of those habits, we lack actual nutrients. And, and the other result is that we're unable to focus more and more, unable to focus, and grow increasingly isolated from one another despite having this shared knowledge and having access to things all over the world. We actually end up isolated because we kind of have to hunker down in our own spots and and just take care of ourselves. So there's a lot of problems here. And again, this goes back to this idea of epistemology. In the words of Brett McCracken, who wrote the book, The Wisdom Pyramid, we have more but we are less. We have more, but we are less. That's the, the thing that we're feeling. That's the thing that we're, we're dealing with. And so we're looking at this prescription of the wisdom pyramid. Okay? You've seen the picture of it, but if uh, we may be having some technical stuff. But But the way the Wisdom Pyramid looks, this is what it looks like, and you see the the labels. At the bottom of the Wisdom Pyramid is the Bible, and that's what we're going to look at today, the the base, the thing that allows for it, as we saw last week, right? Set it on the base, and it will actually stand up. You set it upside down, and it's just going to fall over, okay? So we're looking at that, but this Wisdom Pyramid is based on the idea of the the USDA food pyramid, right? That there's a, a healthy way. To consume, you, just, you need to consume rightly, the right kind of proportions and, and the right kinds of elements in your diet. But the Wisdom Pyramid is meant to support the observation of psychologist William James. He lived in the late 1800s, early 1900s. But he said this, we must reflect that when we reach the end of our days, our life experience will equal what we have paid attention to, whether by choice or default. That's really what we're dealing with, is this idea that our lives, in large part, are made up of what we pay attention to. And the wisdom pyramid is intended to provide guidance to consider what and how much to consume. It is a practical way to better, in the the words of Scripture, to better guard our heart so that the life that develops from it is marked by wisdom. That's what we're seeking, is, is wise living, that is God referenced, that flows out of what we pay attention to. And so today, again, we're going to look at the base of the pyramid, the Bible. And I want to just make one note that the way this pyramid works is we, as you move your way from the base up to the top, you're moving from the most reliable, the most authoritative sources of wisdom up to the least reliable and least authoritative sources of wisdom. Somebody asked this week, I'm surprised that social media and internet is even on the list. It's even on the pyramid. Well, there's a place for it. We'll, we'll see that. But, but we need to understand that, that at the base is what is most reliable, most authoritative. and we get to the top, it's a, a lesser authority. Okay, so that's where we're going to start. And, and I ask the question, why make the Bible the main source in the pursuit of wisdom? Okay? You say, well, duh, it's the Bible. We're in church. I, I get that. Okay, fine. But, but let's really look at that. How, how, why is this the source of wisdom. And how do we do that? How do we make it the main source of our information consumption? And so I wanna turn today to a single Psalm, written 3,000 years before the internet even existed, that demonstrates that while our problems are unique in a certain sense, they're actually nothing new in another another sense, okay? So we're gonna turn to Psalm 1, the very first Psalm in the Psalms, and it shows us, as well as any other part of the Bible, why we should trust the Bible because its message is both timely and timeless okay so I want to read the entire psalm and then we're going to look at some things from psalm 1 how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of with sinners or sit in the company of mockers Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. The way of the wicked leads to ruin. And so what we find here is that in the wake of our epistemological sickness, what Psalm 1 does is it tells us, okay, the first thing I want us to notice is that it tells us, for those of us that are, are sick, that health is not just possible, it is actually promised. Okay? And we're talking about this kind of, of spiritual health, and there's even physical connections to this, but this kind of spiritual information consumption health, that's what we're dealing with here, that, it, that, that health is not just a possibility. In, in fact, we're given a picture that is meant to guide God's people and understand that there is a certain kind of health that is promised. God will do this. Psalm 1.1, it starts out, with this, these words, how happy is the one, the word is blessed. If you've read this in other translations, you may have seen blessed is the one. Blessed is the man. And, and the idea here is that not just, you know, I'm, I'm happy for a moment, but a, a deep sense of both joy and fulfillment. That, that We looked weeks ago, we did a whole series on the search for happiness and talked about what is biblical Happiness. What does this really look like? But it's, it's not just a, a fleeting sense of, oh, I feel good for the moment, but a, a deep sense of joy and fulfillment, an eternal sense of joy and fulfillment. And so this is the description here, that there is this possibility of this kind of happiness. It's the same idea found in Proverbs 3.13, and it's tied to wisdom. Happy is a man who finds wisdom and who acquires understanding. There it is again. That's what wisdom is meant to do. It's, it's meant to lead us to a, a deep sense of fulfillment and joy. Biblical wisdom is intended to do that. And I ask you, who doesn't want that? Right? I mean, you're really sitting here going, yeah, I don't really want a deep sense of joy and fulfillment. I'd really like a shallow sense of, you know, just being kind of, eh. Like, that sounds great. And none of us. Right? How happy. We, we want this kind of thing. We seek it in all kinds of ways. But there's more right it, it compares the person who is happy make uses this this figurative speech and says that this person is like a tree like a tree planted by streams of water uh, another way to think of that is transplanted alongside irrigation canals i want you to see right well, what does it look like to be a tree planted by a, a stream of water by an irrigation canal right if you're a tree in that situation you're not sitting there going, man, I don't know where I'm going to get a drink today. I, I just I have no idea. I just, man, nothing. I don't, I don't know where I'm going to go. No, you're rich and lush because you know this source of your health is right there. And so this is the picture. It, it, the picture is that this person will prosper. No matter what the circumstances, this person will prosper. Now, it's really, under, it's really important that we understand what we mean by prosper because we can twist that all kinds of really damaging destructive ways to think that whatever whatever picture that somebody else creates of prosperity is the one that God is really talking about but there is this sense of of eternal prosperity and that's the picture it's a picture of health of I mean this healthy tree growing strong producing fruit in its season and that's the promise but but there's another person And another comparison made in the song, right? Not just this happy man, the happy one. Psalm 4, the wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. The the wicked, right? The the word here describes those who are guilty. Describes those who before a holy God have violated what he has said is good and right. Not because he arbitrarily set out some rules, but because he is determined. He is himself perfectly righteous. And so those who are wicked have violated his law, have violated his standard. And again, not an arbitrary standard, but a standard that is meant to bring about good and bring about this kind of prosperity that we're seeing here in Psalm 1. And so those who are wicked, not, not happy, but wicked or guilty, they're described as chaff. They're like chaff. What is chaff? I want to see, see a picture of chaff if you don't grow up around using words like chaff. I didn't use a lot of chaff. I didn't say chaff a whole lot growing up, right? So here, here you got wheat divided from the seed and then the chaff. You see the chaff there on your left. And the idea here is this is, it provides a little sustenance for some animal, animals, animals, <laughs> but, but it's, it's nothing of great sustenance. If you were to live on this, you, you starve. So here the wicked, these who are guilty are compared to, to chaff. They're, they're just going to blow away. And in fact, Psalm 6, I mean, verse 6 the way of the wicked leads to ruin. That's the outcome of those who are guilty before God. It's ruin. It's not prosperity. It's not this eternal happiness, fulfillment, sense of joy. It's ruin. And so Psalm 1 promises that there is a righteous man or righteous person who is eternally happy and prosperous. Okay, that is a promise. But it also promises that there are wicked people whose rebellion against God leads to ruin. Those are the two things we see here, two different ways. And the question is, well, what separates these two outcomes? Well, what's the difference between these two? And the answer may seem a bit odd, but here it is. The separation comes down to meditation. Say meditation, most of us, our minds go to somebody sitting maybe on a mountain or on a beach and their legs are crossed in an unnatural way and uh, you know, they're, they're, maybe their hands are up in the air and they're, they're chanting or, or doing something. Okay, that's When the Bible speaks of meditation, that's not what it's talking about. It's not this idea of emptying your mind. Meditation in the Bible has to do with what we fix our minds on, what we take time to observe. And so here health is promised... But if you want to have the opportunity to enjoy that promise, if you and I want that, then we have to overcome a meditation problem. Okay? That's, that's the other issue that we see here in Psalm 1. We have a meditation problem. The Psalms, just a little background, the Psalms are the songbook of God's people. You could say some other things, but, but one way to, to summarize the Psalms is that they are the songbook of God's people. They were meant to give shape and expression to their life together in all of its ups and downs. Okay, that was the idea. Is that as God's people follow him, that there's this, this means of expressing themselves, expressing all the different experiences of, of humanity, of life. And Psalm one is intended as an introduction. It's intended to help us know what we find in the remaining psalms. And so once you think about the beginning of this psalm, right? how happy is the one? And here you would expect something. If you hadn't read if we hadn't already read it, you'd expect, right? How happy is the one, and then something positive. Just like Proverbs 3.13. How happy is the one who finds wisdom, who gets understanding? How happy is the one who, you know, doesn't have a car payment or what, you know, whatever? There's, there's something, but that's even negative, right? But what I'm saying is you would expect some kind of positive action to take place. But instead, it starts with what you don't do. Right? How happy with, is the one who does not Walk in the advice of the wicked, stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. It's a very visual. I mean, there's an image here. We go from walking along to, to stopping to stand and, and kind of talk and until finally, man, we just hunker down in this. Why is this where it starts? If we're describing this, this healthy, prosperous life, why does it start here? Well, God wants his people's attention. This is the beginning of the Psalms. It's meant to get God's people, for him to get their attention. And he knows the pull of our hearts. He knows that we are inclined to walk and to stand and to sit, to orient our lives around ways of thinking and behaving and relating that are rebellious and offensive and arrogant. That's the picture. And that's where our hearts are because of sin, that's where they go. That's, that's where our lives go. I mean, it, it's, all, it's not altogether new, right? I, I mean, this is not something new, but, but now more than ever, we can walk and stand and sit in the way that Psalm 1 describes right from the comfort of our chairs. We can engage in this same kind of way of living and relating and behaving right from the comforts of our chairs with our devices. Which means the, the threat is as great as ever. It's not new. It's, it's, it's still, this is a problem. And, and again, 3,000 years ago, <laughs> this was still a problem. Where does our attention go? And, and here's the thing. Just like the reason that we're prone to consume too much food and, and information and consume it too fast and too narrowly, the pull to these things is great because... This kind of living is attractive. Why does it start here? Because God knows this isn't just a problem. This is something that is attractive to us. Well, we don't just stumble over this and go, oh man, what a bummer. No, we're drawn to this kind of thing. And, and the kind of information that we're consuming, it, it's not that like, this is a problem just because of us. It, it, the problem is that this is attractive. It's drawing us to it. And so God wants our attention. He wants to redirect it to something that is far more satisfying. So he, he starts here saying, this is what you don't do. And then he goes on. Psalm 1, 1 through 2. How happy is the one who doesn't do that, but instead his delight is in the Lord's instruction. And he meditates on it day. And night. Happy is the one who instead fixes his or her attention elsewhere. Where is our attention supposed to go? Well, he tells us the Lord's instruction. See, this person, this healthy, blessed, happy person, that that person's eyes are set on the Bible. It's set on God's word. Eugene Peterson describes God's instruction as God's words that hit the target of the human condition. This isn't just, you know, God giving us some religious ideas that are, are completely foreign and we, you know, they, they don't really have anything to do with real life, but we're just supposed to, to grin and bear it and, and hope that something good comes out of it. No, God's the one who created us and he, he wants us to live wisely in this world that he's created. His instruction is meant to hit the spot of our condition, of our needs, and of what, is, what life is really all about. So that's where he wants his, our attention, is on God's word. But then what do we do? We're told to meditate. And the word here is not, again, silently emptying our minds. The word here is a word that's used to describe mumbling or, or moaning. There's, there's a vocalization that happens with this word. It's described in Isaiah 31.4. It's also used to describe chewing. And so, uh, as a lion or young lion growls over its prey, that word growls is the same word, meditate. You think about if you're, you're a lion and you've caught something, and now somebody's coming, either another animal or, or another a person is coming to try to take your prey from you. What are you going to do? Well, you're, you're going to linger over that thing. And you're going to kind of growl and, and you're going to make noise to protect that thing, because this is where you're fixed. I mean, your attention is here. You want this. And, and so, when do we do this? When do we when do we give this kind of attention to stuff? Well, part of what Psalm 1 says is when we delight in things. We do the exact same thing with, with food, with a good meal, right? You ever been? I mean you're sitting down at a good meal, and and the, how do you know it's a good meal? Well, because nobody's really saying anything. But there's these like noises sort of emanating. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> We're taking delight in this meal. It, it, it's delight, and so we're, we're meditating on it. We're lingering over it. We're, we're chewing on this thing. We're enjoying and savoring this thing. And we do this with other objects of delight, objects of passion. It could be a person, someone that we love. Maybe it's a new love, and you're, you just can't get them out of your mind. You're thinking about that person. You're writing notes. You're, or maybe you're sending text ma- I don't know how that works now. But, but you know, you're, you're, you're just, whatever you're, you're doing, you're just, you're, you're you're fixated on this thing. Or, or it could be an activity, right? I mean, we're really good at meditating when it comes to certain delights. We're, we're about a month out from being the biggest meditators in the country. <laughs> okay? Chiefs football gets started, man. That's what we are meditating. Say, I don't know what that's all. Yes, you do. You know what it is to meditate. You know what it is to, to take delight, to to groan and linger over something and, and just be thinking about it. I mean. We do this, and that's good. I mean, this is what we're to do, is, is to meditate on things that are delights. But we also meditate on potential disaster. That's the other time when this happens. Right? When, when we're worried about our health, or relationships or or politics or or name it when then when we see out we go man there's a potential disaster on the horizon then we start to meditate as well we start to to linger over this thing we, we start to mumble and moan and groan and growl and you know and even worse when we think there's potential disaster on the horizon either delights or disasters see what Psalm 1 is again telling us is that that William James is exactly right our life experience will equal what we have paid attention to, whether by choice or default. That's the message of Psalm 1. I mean, 3,000 years before William James lived, that's what it's telling us. And so here's this problem is, not that we take delight in things, but that our delights are often misordered and misplaced. And then when it comes to the disasters, instead of having hope, in the midst of those potential disasters, we, we just, we become locked in despair. Why? Because at the base of the pyramid, at the top of our priorities, is not God's word, God's instruction. So I wanna ask you, I've painted this picture these two different ways, two different kinds of people. Who do you resemble more? I mean, if you're really honest, you really think about, man, my life, what does it mark more by? Is it marked by this kind of health and, and well-being and, and deep satisfaction? Or is it marked maybe by more of an uncertainty and uh, lots of potential disaster and worry and fear, isolation, this epistemological sickness we've been talking about? I think, I mean, you can be here and you say, man, I'm not so sure about Jesus. And maybe your picture is, yeah, I, I'm dealing with all those negative things you just described. But you can also be here and say, you know, I know Jesus, and yet also recognize my life still looks a little bit more like the wicked situation. And I've got good news for you. If you look at your life and you say, you know, my attention tends to be in a lot of other places besides God's instruction. I I tend to take delight in a lot of other things first. I, I tend to become fixated on potential disasters. My soul seems to resemble chaff a lot more than a healthy fruit tree. I don't resemble this happy person like I'd like to. And I do know that my soul is at the very least malnourished, if not altogether dead. And here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus was planted on behalf of the sick. There's a, a situation early in Jesus' ministry as he's stirring things up. And the religious people of the day, they, they don't like some of what they see because it's a threat and some other things going on. So they begin to ask questions. It says in Mark chapter 2, verse 16, when the scribes, who were Pharisees, these are the religious folks, saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? He's supposed to be righteous. He's supposed to be good. Why is he with these people? And Jesus overheard it. And so when Jesus heard this, he told them, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners, In other words, I didn't come here for the people who think they're healthy because they're depending on themselves. I came to call those who know that their soul is sick. And so here's what's shocking. Okay? Jesus tells us that's what he came to do. But here's Jesus. We, we just read Psalm 1, this picture of the man who doesn't walk with the wicked and the sinners and the, the mockers, the scoffers, but shockingly, Jesus engaged the wicked. He engaged the sinners. He he even engaged the arrogant. But he wasn't conformed to their way of thinking. He wasn't conformed to their their ways of behaving and dealing. Instead, what happened when people encountered Jesus is they either arrogantly dug their heels into their own way or they were miraculously transformed by him. This is upside down. How did this happen? Well, because he delighted fully, perfectly in his father's instruction. And then, instead of being exalted on a magnificent throne, like a tree, as kings of the past were often compared to, Jesus was planted on tree in the ground a tree that had been cut off from its roots and was fashioned into a cross. And that tree was planted into the dry and dusty earth in Golgotha, the place of the skull, the place of death. And what happened? Even in this place of death, because he is the way and the truth and the life, from that tree now flows streams of living water. Not the water coming to the tree, but out of the tree comes streams of living water that can make you and I healthy for all eternity. <laughs> I mean, there's no greater story. There's no greater message that's ever been shared. You want to know why you trust the Bible? Because there's nothing like that. Because Jesus is the happy one. This isn't isn't about you and I. This is about him. And because he is the happy one, we can inherit the promise of eternal health. But Jesus intends to share with us hope, not just for the future, not just for some time out there, but wisdom and understanding for today. So his way must be our way. I said Psalm 1 isn't about us. It's not mostly about us. It starts being about him, but then it becomes about us. If we start with us, we miss it when we start with him we realize no no it can be about us and his way must be our way and so we only flourish we only flourish as we plant ourselves in the soil of scripture you want to flourish in this life you want to grow wise you plant yourself in the soil of scripture we plant ourselves near streams of living water by letting God plant his word in us we're told in Colossians 3 let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, right? It's not just, not just in you. I want you to notice this. Not just in you, but among you, among God's people. This is what our life is meant to be. It's about digging in to his word, to heeding his instruction, delighting in his instruction. That's why we gather weekly to look into his word, to say this is where our delight is. This is where life and wisdom are found, So as he embarked on his ministry, Jesus, he was tempted to look elsewhere for instruction, for wisdom, just like we are. And as he battled that temptation, he leaned on the Lord's instruction. He answered, Matthew 4, 4, it is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The base of the pyramid is the Bible. Jesus knew, I've got to follow God's instruction, the Father's instruction. He knew that, as in the words of Psalm 1, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. That, That is that God cares for. He prunes. He cares for the one. He gardens the one he has planted. He makes sure that that is healthy and well taken care of. And so he planted himself in the Lord's instruction, and he wants us to learn from him. Why would we think, why would we think if Jesus did this, that we can get by and not do it ourselves? Why would we think if this is what Jesus showed is the way to to wise living, the wisest man who ever lived, if he was dependent on living out the Lord's instruction, delighting in God's instruction, why would we think that our lives will just be just great if we don't? Jesus is giving us a picture not just of, of all eternity, but of now, of what needs to happen now. And so God instructs us about his instructions. He tells us that they are, in 2 Timothy 3, the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation. They do give you eternity through faith in Christ Jesus. And that's what the scriptures point to is Jesus. It's all about him. But all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man and woman of God may be complete equipped for every good work this is how god intends to prepare us intends to make us wise is that we delight in his instruction it, it says here scripture I want, I want to just note that scripture is a body of writings considered sacred or authoritative and for us as as christ followers our scripture is both of those things it's not or it's not sacred it's not just the thing we think is nice it is authoritative. It is the authority. It is the thing. It's where we find life. It's where it judges us. I don't come to this and go, you know what? I'd really love for the Bible to I to had some real good ideas. And I think, yeah, I bet I can find something here that will help me, you know, affirm the things I already think. No, we come here knowing, God, you're going to judge me. You're going you're to change me. You're going to tell me that my way of doing things probably isn't the best way as we come prepared to know that it will rebuke it will correct it will train us we don't come to train it to make it say what we want it is the authority it is god's word the authority for living god uses his word to complete us he uses his word to make us happy and healthy and as we delight in god's instruction it leads us to the greatest delight which is God himself. That's what the scriptures are for, it's to point us to him. And so I, I come to you, I'll, I'll just wrap up here and say, if you're skeptical, okay, and that's okay. If you're here, you're like, I'm not so sure. I mean, it's a book, it's been around for a long time, all kinds of people say they believe it. All, you, know, you got all, all your questions. I get that, really. And if you're skeptical, I want to encourage you to explore for yourself whether Jesus and the that's scriptures that. that reveal him to us are authoritative And to that end, I want you to check out, we we created a website, I I prepared this a couple years ago, it's a list of, it's not exhaustive, but a list of of resources. If you want to know more about the Bible, why would we trust the Bible? All kinds of questions. Then I encourage you to check that out. You've got that there on your your handout, on your listening guide. You can scan the QR code and and go look at that. But but explore for yourself. It's okay to have questions, but don't let them linger. Don't just... Pass them off. This matters. This is life and death. This really, really matters. If you're here and you say, I am an apprentice of Jesus. I am his disciple. I, am, I have trusted him to be planted on my behalf. Then I want you to evaluate, as we will continue to do, evaluate the shape of your wisdom intake. Does it, does it look like this? You look and you say, where am I getting the most input? Is it really? Is, is the Bible at the base? Maybe it's not upside down completely, but maybe it's some kind of funny other shape that I don't have a cardboard tube for, right? I mean, it's, it's just some other shape where the Bible just gets a little bit and then something else gets a little bit more and, you know, it's kind of wonky looking something. Evaluate the shape of your wisdom intake. And I want to encourage you. If you say, I want god's word to be the authority i want to delight in his word and in his instruction how do you do that well you read the bible i mean there's not I, I, there, I i've thought about it i've like hey maybe there's some better quicker you no know, you just read it you just spend time or you listen to it okay so i want to encourage you to do that Here, here's the thing i said internet technology is not the enemy and so there's wonderful things that have happened because of technology that allow for people all around the world to have access to God's instruction in a way they never would have without the technology. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. And so I encourage you, if, you like, if it's helpful to you, if you've been helped by having the, the Bible on your phone, great. I'm not down on that. I think there is advantages to having something in your hands, to putting the phone somewhere else and being able to say, I'm just spending time reading God's word without that distraction. That there are advantages to that. That's so why I encourage you in that. But that's not always the way it is. And there's all kinds of time, if you want to delight yourself in God's word, that you can spend just listening to it. You've got commutes. You've got waiting time that we tend to fill with all kinds of other stuff instead of delighting in God's word. And so I've encouraged you. You saw maybe we have a picture here. We, you version, so many of you use that. Uh, now has a way to connect with individual churches, and so you can find the Grove on Uversion, and there you'll find a link to uh, a. Bible reading plan, the one-year Bible reading plan. It's not something we created, but that, that's kind of what it looks like. It's what it looks like on my phone. You see my picture. And then there's the one-year Bible reading plan. You connect. And I think there's going to be other features coming up in the, the near future, but for now, you just see us there. And, and then it also allows us on the back end to be able to kind of see, how are people doing? It, it's, it's a way for us to, me as pastor, to be responsible to say, hey, our people are, are engaging with God's Word. It's, it's a great tool. I want to encourage you to use that. And that one year Bible reading plan is meant to take you through the whole Bible in a year. That's why it's appropriately named. Okay. I mean you get that. But but throughout the, the Old Testament, so you'll read each day, you have a, a section of Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And the Bible is divided into the, the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, which was pointing to Jesus, and then the New Covenant that would explains that, hey, Jesus has come and this is what it's all about and helps pull it all together. And then you'll also read each day from Psalms and Proverbs, which is another, which are both in the Old Testament. And so I would encourage you, you're talking about 10 to 15 minutes a day, listening or reading. And I know that, again, I've tried to, well, just do a little bit of this. The facts are, guys, we need time in God's word. There is no shortcut here. And I've been there. I know the... The pains, I know the pulls, I, I, I've been there. But let's just be honest, okay? You've got 10 minutes. I mean, let's just be honest with ourselves. We've got 10 minutes. The, the problem is not that we don't have the time. The problem is we, we give the time to all kinds of other things. So I want to encourage you. Now, maybe, I will even give you this, though. Maybe, getting started, you say, you know what? Old Testament... It's kind of confusing. I'm not really sure. I get that. There there are tools to help you understand the Bible, but you might just start and say, I'm going to read New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs and get started there. I I didn't bring one up with me, but as we leave today, out in the, you can see pictures of it, out in the the lobby are hand copies. So you can either use the Bible app and you can find that one-year Bible reading plan, or we've got printed copies. There are copies for the 30 and under crowd and there are only two pages because they're tiny little print and then there's copies for the 30 and over crowd okay um a few more pages um a little bit bigger print and and if we need a like another set we can redo it okay but there are there are printed copies um if you would prefer to have just something in your hands okay but let's spend time in god's word and then if you say i'd really love some help to figure out what does this look like to spend daily time with God in his word. I want to invite you to a quiet time workshop. A number of people went through this back in the fall with me. We're going to do it again Wednesday, August 10th in the evening, 7 o'clock. Just an hour and 15 minutes, but, but some helpful things to get you started in spending regular time with the Lord in Bible reading and prayer. I think you get the gist. We've all experienced the illness of people whose consumption diet has made them sick and left them isolated and confused, stubborn and frustrated. But let's continue to seek to be a people who delight in God's instruction, who delight in knowing and doing what God says, a people who are happy because they have put their lives in the hands of the great planter and planted themselves by the stream of living water and who know that the one who watches over their way will make them truly and eternally healthy. Let's pray together. Father, I so thank you that you have not left us separated from you, you've not left us without hope, but instead you planted your son Jesus on our behalf. that we might be made whole and healthy and happy. God, forgive us for the ways in which we have not prioritized your word, which ways in which we have not delighted in it, but God also help us to continue to learn, continue to reorder our delights, and to trust you with hope when we face disaster. We love you and we thank you that we can gather and worship you and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us and join us again next week for another podcast from The Grove Church. Have a great day. (music) Thank you.